0: Tonight is Wednesday, November 11th, 2020. It's the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Week 10's playoff push. Little guy. Excellent. All right. Well, so, it is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast?
1: Welcome to the show.
0: I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. I like how you start the music, and you're like, "Oh, I, I must be in charge of opening the show now."
1: <laughs> well, this is a uh, uh, you know from from a company that we run called Drink Five. So, uh, we'd be remiss not to uh, join you and regale you with a couple of cocktails among all the fantasy talk. So, I'm just get, I'm of just course. popping that off. I'm getting that started. All right. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Mm. It's a good way to start the show. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Get you in the mood to talk about fantasy, right? There's
0: some goosebumps there. Got the HDF, high def going. See the goosebumps? <laughs> uh, so, I am Jason, joined as always by Dave. Uh, Dave, say hi to the good folks. Let them know what you're drinking.
1: Hello, friends. Uh, I am drinking Hazed Juice from Brickstone Brewery. And for those of you listening uh, on the podcast and, and different kinds of channels that we have out there, like... Uh, like Spotify or Stitcher, and you can't see, that's too bad. I do encourage you to check out one of our YouTube shows occasionally, which is the same content, but you'll actually be able to see what we're drinking, uh, You know, see if Jason's scowling at me because of what I said uh, about a player. But this is a a hazy India pale ale from Brickstone Brewery from Bourbonnais. And uh, I have not had a sip of it yet, but I have had it before, and I really like the Oh, it's good. Here's your glass. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So, um... Tonight, we're going to kind of uh, get you ready for the playoff push. It is week 10 in the NFL, so it's rivalry week if uh, you're into that sort of thing. and well, Let me is... ask a question. Uh, Please.
1: Uh, he's a, a commissioner for – Jason is a commissioner for uh, a lot of leagues that were in uh, past, present, and future, I hope, I think. Uh, oh. and. and He's, Don't
0: commit me to anything that I'm not ready for.
1: We should just have a, a podcast about uh, whether or not Jason will still remain the commissioner of fantasy leagues going forward. <laughs> we can have people call in and be like, "Would you like this league? It, it's yours." <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can have the sleep,
1: please. No, but it's a it's a pain in the ass to run these leagues, and I was just going to ask um, for rivalry, uh, and I can't say no one can say no it. No one can say it. But Rivalry Week um, is, is where you have uh, set matchups for, for people that are always uh, at odds with each other or maybe are old friends or enemies or whatever. Yeah. And my question was, um, for that, is that something that you got from somewhere else or someone else or is that something that you started? So is Week 10 significant? Like, what's the, what's the deal?
0: So when I started running leagues, Yahoo would just call it Rivalry Week in Week 10. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it and I started picking Rivals and uh, I, I just kind of carried that on in um, one of our 12 team leagues instead of doing that what we did is uh, to make the schedule even out we just picked two rivals for every team and uh, you play those teams twice you play everybody else once so I, I like it as sort of a little feature of the schedule but there isn't a whole lot that's necessarily special about it aside from the fact that Uh, You know, you and I are always going to play each other in week 10 in several leagues. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Anything anything that we're not in the same division, we're going to play each other that week and that week only. So I believe we play each other three times this week. Good luck with that.
1: Well, cheers to that. Good luck to you, too. Uh, And it never fails. Uh, One of the great things about uh, this week, Rivalry Week, I I can't say it still, Rivalry Week... Rivalry Week. (laughs) ...is that it takes place in Week 10, uh, although there's some leagues where there's uh, multiple uh, weeks that you do that, right?
0: Sure. I mean, you can just... It's whatever you want it to be. You just declare it rivalry week. You play
1: you play your rival every single week. That's just that's how it works. Now, yes, your
0: rival, <laughs> the person you play each week should be your like arch rival for that week.
1: Um but but uh, um, it, it, because it's Week 10, it ends up being a pretty hard week because there's all these injuries, and, and this uh, season, of course, COVID. So we've got these decimated rosters and uh, people that we're not sure if they're going to play, and if they play, are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be just used as uh, um, you know distractions? So it, it adds that extra element. I, I was wondering where you got that Week 10 thing from because I, I kind of like it. I dig the Week 10 placement.
0: Uh, but that was Yahoo as well. They just That was the week that they picked, and you could always have – You can always reassign the week uh, in Yahoo. Um, But I liked Week 10 for a lot of those same reasons. You get a lot of just randomness. Like, let's take a look at our matchup in the Drink 5 League. You are going to be, hopefully, rolling with Nick Chubb, who's coming off of injury. Hopefully. You know, you've got Tom Brady, who's coming off of perhaps the worst game of his entire career. angry
1: Tom Brady is probably a good one. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, on bye, I'm missing uh, my two Chiefs. And uh, the my one of my best wide receivers, Kelvin Ridley. Oh, thank God, is the Chiefs. The Chiefs well. are not in
1: the equation. I'm doing <laughs> I'm doing well on this one.
0: So I'm gonna have to roll with Devin Singletary this week. Uh, hopefully, maybe I'll get Mike Davis in there instead. I don't know. We'll but, see.
1: But I'm quite sure. Uh, you know, on the other side of the corn, uh, you've got other leagues, right? Where uh, I'm playing you because we are rivals in multiple leagues, and you have the advantage because uh, I know on one of them, for example. I have one good running back in James Conner, but the other guy, David Johnson, might not play. Uh, the, the backups that I have for that position are also out, so I might end up playing Kalen Ballage or Naheem Hines. or.
0: Yeah, well, in this league, you <laughs> have the decided advantage. Uh, it's a two-quarterback league. It's a dynasty league, so please don't get too on me with my terrible team. But you have Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. And
1: Deshaun Watson. How do I pick between and those guys? And I have guys, man? Teddy
0: Bridgewater and Joe Burrow.
1: There is a difference here,
0: right?
1: <laughs> but you are a team that uh, is uh, uh, rebuilding. I'm in the rebuilding phase, absolutely. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so, you know, this is fun. In our one other um, Carthago, Delenda Est versus Mysterion, um, I, this is probably going to be our most even matchup. A good match? Yeah, I think so. That's Although fun. you are favored... You know, because I'm starting Alex Smith and Russell Wilson. Oh, good! And I, you have Kyler Murray again. I want to play. Brees. I want
1: to play anyone who's starting Alex Smith against me.
0: Well, hopefully, I'll be starting Ben Roethlisberger. We'll see what happens.
1: We're all glad he's playing football again, except for people that have to start him in fantasy football. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, oh boy, yeah, I'm not looking forward to starting Alex Smith, but he'll probably be better in the flex than a uh, T. Higgins or uh, uh, Mr. Henderson on the rams so anyways let's dive into uh what we want to talk about this week which are player trends we talk about player trends all the time we like to look at guys who are uh moving up three weeks in a row moving down three weeks in a row perhaps more uh perhaps nearly uh a a clean move up and down yeah um so the first guy i was looking at was curtis samuel he is wide receiver for carolina Week 7 at New Orleans, he put up 14.3. Week 8 versus Atlanta, he put up 19.4. And Week 9 in Kansas City, 22.3 uh, just last week. So he's actually training up over five games, not just three. This goes all the way back to the beginning of Week 4. Uh, he started the season very slowly. He only passed the four-target mark once in the first four weeks. And now over the last three games, he has seven carries and 20 targets overall. So uh, that, that's some great usage numbers. He scored at least one touchdown per game during this stretch. He broke the 100-yard mark last week. He has definitely got a lot of positive things going in his direction. Now, he's not the most targeted player on his team, uh, not even close. I don't even think he's been the second targeted uh, player in any of these last three weeks on his team. Um, but he's a dynamic player. The team wants to get the ball into his hands. He is averaging 7.5 touches per game because he carries the ball a lot. He has at least one carry in every game, and more than one in all but two games. So he's only owned in 69% of leagues right now in Flea Flicker. So it's possible he's available in maybe not yours or my league, but someone's league out there. And 31% of them, in fact, right. he is available. Um, so he is a good, uh, an important member of this offense, and he has some good matchups coming up, especially against Minnesota and against Denver. I view Curtis Samuel as an above average bi week or injury replacement. Would you rank him higher than that, Dave? or do you think I have him pegged properly?
1: Uh, I'm not looking at uh, at his specific stats over the last couple games, uh, and and I can pull those up real quickly here. Um, i'm not I'm not prepared for your level of question, but i will I will pull it up. It'll just take me a moment. Um, I,
0: did I ask you the question? You're like, don't ask me this.
1: <laughs> well, no, I just I, I want to be able to uh, to look at how he's done over a period of time. It's you know
0: the fantasy points are trending up. The the usage is a bit variable. Yeah. Really. So
1: so what I was going to say is uh, it looked to me, uh, and it doesn't appear to. to uh, it doesn't appear to to look that way on the actual scorecard here on, on the fantasy points sheet because you're actually seeing a trend up for Curtis Samuel from week two, which is fun. Uh, you know, 4, seven, six, eight, 14, 19, 22. Yeah. Uh, so it's just straight up the board. But when I saw him and when I watched those games, I, I always I feel like I'm seeing uh, Curtis Samuel games uh, where he is scoring uh, two touchdowns or getting a lot of plays real quickly together but what I realize uh, after looking at this it's,
0: it's what I saw last week for sure he'll get four touches on a drive
1: when I'm looking at this at this uh sheet now of, of all the games laid out uh what I'm seeing is that he just sort of blasted off over the last three weeks yeah. when he really wasn't doing much at all for the beginning of the season now I I would have known this but I don't actually own Samuel anywhere so I've been a little bit farther from him uh, but I know Jessica, for example, my fiance has, uh, has... Jessica, who
0: joined us on the show last week.
1: Right, she has Samuel on a team. In fact, one of the times when she was playing me, and of course that's one of the weeks that Samuel <laughs> he scored... He puts up two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. <laughs> so I think, especially with Christian McCaffrey not, not playing uh, again, uh, and we're going to have uh, Teddy Bridgewater likely trying to come back from behind, uh, having some difficult circumstances... Uh, other other receivers and positions guarded closely samuel seems to be that guy that they 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 go for to to get those big plays so i think he's a little more than that bi week replacement flex kind of guy okay i think that he sitting at these points at 14 19 22 a consistent three week trend uh should probably be started as a wide receiver too in, in most leagues
0: interesting so he's not leading the team in targets at all not even close that usually goes to Robbie Anderson or whoever is playing running back like Christian McCaffrey had 10 targets last week uh and DJ Moore is probably a guy who is going to average a little bit more than him what I wonder with Samuel is um since they're giving him carries and bursts if they find matchups on the field and try to just exploit the matchup
1: I I think so um when you look at guys like DJ Moore I mean you're right that he's getting more more targets than Samuel is but uh, he's only done something with them twice this year or something like that, so uh we know that Curtis Samuel is one of those guys that's like uh, uh what's his name uh the the character that was a running back uh, uh anton Smith
0: oh nobody can touch anton Smith come on
1: <laughs> when we look at points per touch we would see uh we would see Curtis Samuel doing much better at the points per touch stat than most of the fantasy people we have in our teams um so you're right. Uh, it's it's going to be unpredictable, but you have a trend right in front of you. Uh, it'd be difficult not to play him on your team this week. If you had him on your team, would you be able to sit him on the bench?
0: Uh, that's a tough call. So, do you think his targets are going to increase as the season goes on? No, or do you think he's going to stick towards a seven and a half? Or so touches per game.
1: Yeah, he seems to just have this limited usage in opportunities uh, with design plays for Samuel. Which, how great is that to be a player where they design things for you? That's then,
0: then I think that this is a lot of um, lucky matchups with Curtis Samuel, and I don't know that this is going to be sustained.
1: I'm not sure I can see three weeks of a continuing trend as luck, uh, but we'll have to see. I, I'm not arguing with you, by the way. I just, if, if I, I find it impossible... Uh, in most cases, to not start a guy who has had three weeks of increasing fantasy points.
0: Sure, and the, the reason <laughs> we bring it up is because, you know, at this point, I don't know that Curtis Samuel was for sure an every week starter. You would have said that about him going into last week, but no, now, no. now is definitely the time to ask yourself this question. You know, it should we be putting him in all the time or not? Or I, I think, for me personally, I'm going to leave him as a bye week replacement, injury replacement kind of guy. I don't think he bumps anybody off of my starting list on any of my teams. Oh
1: man! Well, it's just that thing where if you look and see that you, there's a guy who's scoring at least 15 points a game and is trending up, and you're not playing him, how many weeks do we have left? You're just you're losing time on this. You it's know true. What I mean? It's it's a tough call. <laughs> if he goes up again and you play some guy who has four points, you know you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself pretty hard
0: absolutely absolutely well i don't have him on my team anywhere so <laughs> well
1: that's why we can have this, we'll make this hypothetical neither of us have curtis samuel across our like 14 leagues yeah somehow
0: <laughs> there's a hundred fantasy players between us we've none cleared, of them named curtis samuel we've clearly
1: made a mistake not owing curtis samuel owning him the last three weeks that's something we can agree of
0: about. our whole list you know Spoiler alert, I only have two of them on any of my teams. Well, it's not like... And only, like, one of each.
1: We're not going to talk about a bunch of guys that everyone has and everybody plays every week.
0: <laughs>
1: like, you know who's trending up? Kyler Dalvin Murray. Dalvin Cook trending up. Should Ky- we start him? Murray, Rogers, <laughs> Cook. Are you interested in playing these guys? What do you think? Do you think?
0: think I should start Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray? I think
1: <laughs> I think it's a toss-up there. Um, all right, well, uh, let's, let's get into uh, Drew Locke. And Drew Locke, of course, uh, quarterback for Denver. Uh, his uh, ECR uh, from Fantasy Pros uh, is 19, so it's a borderline quarterback, two or three. Uh, you know, his uh, getting his his first starts this year. Uh, I think it was Week Six when he when he came in for the first time to start a game. Uh, and I've got all the stats here, which I'll put. Was in he two. injured
0: to begin the year then? Uh, I Dr- thought he played a couple games and then he got injured. I uh, I don't recall. Drew Locke started one in weeks one and two. Okay. Uh, and in week two, he only had five pass attempts.
1: Well, let's uh, th- th- thanks for the correction. So so week six is when he started his uh, his longer streak of uh, of consistent playing. Yeah. Um, and he was ten for twenty four, hundred and eighty nine yards, two interceptions, uh, five attempts at rushing, resulting in negative one yard uh, with for five point four six fantasy points. So I doubt, that, oh boy. <laughs> I, doubt that, I doubt. people were out there starting Drew Lock in his, his first time back from injury, one of his first starts of the year. Um, but what was really good to see, and I think people were very enthusiastic about, uh, was that uh, in week seven, he had 14.96 points, but he had a rushing touch. He didn't have any passing touchdowns, two interceptions. Mm-hmm. So still kind of doing poorly. Uh, he had over 40 passing um, attempts. And week eight, versus the chargers uh 26 for 41 so again over 40 248 yards three three passing touchdowns that's when he kind of broke out this week uh and uh 20.82 fantasy points and then week nine just last week versus the falcons who everybody loves to to play against as a quarterback um 313 yards on 48 attempts only 25 of those completed so pretty poor uh i didn't see the game specifically Yeah, it's not a great percentage but two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown and he finally got uh, his feet on the ground uh seven rushing attempts for 47 yards that's 30.22 fantasy points so he went from 5 to 14 to 20 to 30 so uh, very much uh you know continuing in that great direction now uh The majority of the fantasy production from the past two games has come in the second half. So for Drew Locke and the Broncos, and I know that we're going to talk about another Bronco in a little bit, so you've done some research on them in the past couple days here. Why do you think that it's the second half uh, where they're getting all those points from the quarterback position?
0: Um, I think that teams are starting fast against them, and that's what's happening. To the Broncos. They don't have a great run offense so they're unable to sort of dominate in the first half at all. Mm-hmm. And teams are getting up on them. The Chiefs, the Chargers, and Atlanta all got early leads on them and it caused them to have to come back in the game. And that means that it's going to be Drew Locke throwing the ball a lot in order to try to keep up, in order to catch up. Uh, they're playing Las Vegas, they're playing Nevada, I'm sorry they're playing Las Vegas, Miami, New Orleans, all these teams, and then Kansas City again. All these teams are going to be able to get a lead on them in the first half. So if you're a betting person, then you may want to bet um, the first half on the opponent of the Broncos for now. Um, But always count on the Broncos making the game interesting for the most part. Obviously, against Kansas City, uh, they were left in the dust and couldn't keep up at all. But they beat New England a few weeks ago, and they beat the Chargers in a very uh impressive last minute drive last minute touchdown right so
1: it's not all garbage points it's actual comebacks and they're garbage
0: points until you win the game well (laughs) (laughs) no they're
1: garbage points if you're if you're Blake Bortles or if If you're you're Cecil shorts yeah if you're if you're Gardner Minshew to to a degree I'm sorry it's too soon too soon to talk about the Minshew Minshew mania ended in a sudden bolt
0: now it's uh (laughs) Luton lunacy
1: yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> well, going up against the, the Raiders' defense in Week 10, so that's another favorable, favorable matchup, and the Raiders are giving up the 7th most fantasy points to quarterbacks at 21.5 per game. Locke has a whole bunch of playmakers on the team. Uh, like I mentioned, we're going to talk about Jerry Judy uh, a little bit later. In fact, right after this, Jason's going to break into Judy. Uh, Locke has attempted 40 or more passes, like I mentioned uh, earlier, three games in a row and so could be considered a borderline quarterback one in this matchup against the poorest Raiders. I love that this guy who's throwing 40 or more passes in every game that has trended up for four games in a row, that has a lot of playmakers, uh, going up against the team with the seventh most fantasy points to quarterbacks uh, is, is in the position that he's in. And I would start uh, Drew Locke in this position over a lot of starting quarterbacks that, that I see people have on their team. Would you start right him now.
0: over Derek Carr?
1: yes absolutely all right um so what do you think about Locke's chances of finishing in the top 10 for quarterback fantasy points this week
0: this week i like it i think that just like in the past weeks they're going to get behind in the first half uh oakland does have a strong run game with josh jacobs they have a strong possession game with darren waller um one of the guys who i was looking at for the downward trend so i didn't end up going with uh is henry ruggs and ruggs is um barely being targeted and I noticed that nobody is being targeted on that team to the tune of more than four targets a game aside from Darren Waller
1: yeah and Ruggs uh I mean he's on my uh cut list and he was probably on the cut list earlier this season so probably the reason we're not doing a trend on him is he's not relevant
0: exactly there's not (laughs) yeah there's no real reason to talk about him um but in my brief you know foray into what the uh, Raiders are doing right now um, I, I like what they are doing with the offense that is doing well. Jacobs and Waller are playing very well right now. They're producing at a very high level. Okay, and um, you know Waller should enjoy being the number one tight end this week because it's not going to happen when Travis Kelsey uh, plays football again. Right, I'll let in, him in know in week eleven.
1: I'll send I'll send him a tweet <laughs> and tell him it's from you. Yes. Uh, so so wrapping up, uh, Locke has matchups against the Dolphins, the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Panthers uh, coming up in the next four games. All of those are much tougher opponents to quarterbacks. As of Week 9, they're ranked 19th, 13th, 25th, and 24th, respectively, uh, for fantasy points uh, against quarterbacks. Uh uh, so, well, well, what I mean, I don't want to confuse that, is uh, is that they are giving up the least amount of points, not the other way around. Uh, then the Chargers, Falcons, and Raiders that we talked about earlier, the fourth, second, and seventh uh, most points that they're giving up, like you mentioned when we talked about all those weeks. So that defensive reprieve he's been able to enjoy, it's like the feeling I'm going to compare it to when you're on a tropical vacation, say you're in Hawaii, but you have to return home to Chicago in January the following week. So yes, I've been there. Yeah, so have I. <laughs> so uh, enjoy it while it lasts. And uh, my prediction is that Drew finishes top 10 in week 10, but then he should be left out on the waiver wire afterwards for the duration of the season. Uh, so it's going to be a great week for Drew. Then he needs to bundle up and go home.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so we're going to talk about Jerry Judy in just a second. I just want to remind everybody, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, or even if you're not, go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel so that you can um, you know, know when we're going live every week so that you can get in the chat room and talk to us live because we love to answer your lineup questions. Uh, we just got one in here. Uh, let's, let's see. What does your gut think we should do with the Colts' backfield for the rest of the season? I would like to bring them out back and shoot them all. Oh, this is, is that acceptable?
1: That's pretty intense. Okay,
0: then we'll we'll just skip <laughs> that. Uh, perhaps I drafted Jonathan Taylor a little too much, and it's driving me insane. Uh, what do we do with Jonathan Taylor? I think you have to roll with him. I, I don't know. You can't trade him. Benching him feels like the wrong thing to do. He did finally score a touchdown last week. Um, you know, if you have clearly better options, obviously Jonathan Taylor is probably not in your lineup right now. Aside from that, I think that Jonathan Taylor probably should stay in the lineup because that is a good enough offense that you need the primary running back. In, if you have him.
1: Well, I have to disagree with you in the fact that I I don't think that Taylor is the primary running back any longer. In fact, Jordan Wilkins has gotten more uh carries than Jonathan Taylor has for the two past two weeks in a row. So I okay. don't want I don't want to rain on your Taylor parade. But no, that's fine. Origi- I
0: need I need I need to be like you know spoken. I need reasons spoken. Well, look, me.
1: he he's a rookie, right? Uh, And for all rookies, we always preach to temper expectations, but here's a guy that everyone was drafting really early, and so you expect him to perform well on your team. In redraft, that's just a mistake. Now, we're in some dynasty leagues and and deep leagues in which it makes a lot of sense to grab a hold of these guys or keeper leagues or whatever, but in a redraft league to grab Jonathan Taylor as someone to be an every week starter, you have to remember that they were originally planning on having Marlon Mack be the starter with Taylor kind of just learning uh, from Mack. And uh, when, when everything occurred there... Uh, yeah, that's true.
0: Mac isn't around for him to learn anymore. When
1: everything occurred there, uh, it, it kind of thrust him into a role that perhaps he wasn't completely ready for. Uh, and so now we're seeing guys like Jordan Wilkins, who have been on the teams as, as long as Heinz has. They were drafted the same year. Okay. Uh, those guys are more trusted by the organization than Taylor. And Taylor got a touchdown that saved his day last week, but he also got a fumble and looked pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, so I, I he scored per-
0: ten points and scored a touchdown.
1: I'm personally or not eight
0: points. Ugh.
1: I'm personally not starting Taylor at all whatsoever. Uh, but I don't mind holding him on a team as long as there's. Uh, a deep enough roster that it's not ruining, you know, your chances at So they play
0: Tennessee tomorrow night. Tennessee is giving up uh, 15 points to opposing running backs per game.
1: Um, Look, it's a split uh, between Hines. Green
0: Bay is a good matchup. Then they play Tennessee again. Houston, it's like they have nothing but, like, green matchups. Like, it's But you're looking at a team
1: where there's three running backs and Jonathan Taylor is not even – He's not even getting that gold star as like...
0: Okay, so I have to ask you for a spoiler. Did Taylor make your cut list yet?
1: No. Okay. So I'm holding Taylor. Uh, I'm, I'm so not... So for now we hold on the bench. I'm not playing Wilkins. I'm not playing Hines. Uh, I'm not playing Taylor. I'm not playing the Colts' backfield. If you have them, uh, if you have multiple backs, for example, I suggest you do anything you can to get rid of them or even just cut your losses entirely because it's not going to change anytime they soon. They have
0: great matchups coming up. Hopefully we see some clarity this week. Well, you, you And can't, they, just, they give one guy a lot of carries.
1: You can't start one of them uh, you know, earnestly without a, a couple of good games, at least one good game. And even if you do, there's no guarantee that they're not going to totally switch up with what they just did the previous game. I think you've got a hot hand situation here. And whenever you have a hot hand situation with more than two running backs, you just stay away from it. Learn from New England. Stop playing all these guys entirely. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really sorry, uh, um, MathQuest. Uh, I, I don't know that there's any good answer to your question other than, unfortunately... You have Jonathan Taylor. You hold and and wait and see. you got to find somebody else to start on your team.
0: Well, thank you for the question, MathQuest. I believe you've chimed in with some questions every week. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, And we will move on to Jerry Judy, the other Bronco of the evening. So he's a wide receiver, obviously, in Denver. Week 7, he put up only three points. Week 8 against the Chargers, 9.3. And then last week, week 9, 22 points in Atlanta. It's been great. His usage has exploded in the last two weeks. 24 targets over the last two games. Uh, That's more than the previous four games combined. And over those two weeks, he has the most targets on the team, which is where you want your wide receivers at, right? You need the guys who are going to be getting the ball the most because that gives you the most chance to score points. So Judy is owned in 76% of Flea Flicker leagues. Check the waiver wire. Uh, Perhaps someone in your league is asleep at the wheel. Well, that would mean your entire league is asleep at the wheel, uh, including yourself, so... Uh, just, you know, take a look at it and see if he's there. It's always worth checking.
1: I, I did like uh, watching the video of the play you are about to mention.
0: Yes. So, uh, he's been showing off his skills. This was a video that I saw on Reddit. I'll uh, post my article of my trends, and I'll uh, put a link to the video up on it on drink5.com. But basically, you see Judy running route from like the 25 or so, just straight downfield, throws his arm up, wants the ball deep. But clearly, this is a play that him and Drew Locke have already talked about ahead of time because he throws his arm up, making the defender bite on the long, on the deep, uh, what would that be, Uh, Like a corner route probably, and um, he just stops. Stops on a dime, catches the comeback pass, and runs it in for a touchdown. It was just a beautiful-looking play. I I really liked watching uh, route running like that. So, um, Judy is starting to show off that he has a good rapport with his quarterback I really like to see that um, what I really do want to see though is him uh, bump up his completion percentage he's only catching 49.2 percent of his passes um, which is not what you want to see from a wide receiver even a guy who goes downfield he's not going to be at a Michael Thomas kind of level but he needs to be in the 55 to 60 range not 45 49.2 It's like, you know, when you're picking 49% of the fantasy players correctly, you feel like you're doing something, but you're not winning enough. You need to be 55%, 60% to be much more productive to get over that hump. Um, So mostly positive matches coming up for him uh for the end of the year he only has one top five defense that he has to play for the rest of the year that's the Chiefs he already played the Chiefs this year so I think that the advantage would go uh to the rookie I I shouldn't say the advantage goes to the rookie but he is going to be better equipped to play them than he was the first time around um so I want to know Dave with Tim Patrick is the only other sort of every down receiver is it safe to call Judy the WR1 now on the Broncos? And to play him as as such.
1: Uh, well, you did you made a pretty good case for him. And I think the number one wide receiver there is, is still clearly Cortland Sutton. But Cortland Sutton is out for the season. And so because he's out for the season, Jerry Judy is the guy. Now, next year, I think the Broncos will have an even better time with both of those guys healthy and playing. Yeah. For right now, Judy is clearly the number one, yeah.
0: And perhaps a different quarterback to mess with.
1: I doubt it. Year. Does <laughs> he they re- they're going to stick
0: with Drew Locke? Yeah, they just
1: recently bought him. Not bought him, but they just drafted. recently drafted him.
0: Yeah, so he was rookie last year,
1: right? Yeah, why would they have a different quarterback? He's doing really well.
0: Mm, okay. I don't know. I'm not sold on Drew Locke.
1: What is your definition for uh, when you need to have a new quarterback?
0: Um, <laughs> When they look like Sam Darnold?
1: The, the guy is doing really well. Or he's
0: doing better than... I mean, okay.
1: Honestly, Sam Darnold's an not Andy a bad Dalton quarterback line. either.
0: What's our, what's our rookie uh, good to bad line?
1: Oh, I mean, I don't even know if that's a thing because most of those... There rookie, aren't enough of them to play. Most of those rookie quarterbacks are... Uh, um, they're either good or they don't get a chance to play, I suppose.
0: <laughs> we can call it the yeah, Mitchell they. Trubisky line, I suppose.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's no way if that they're... If you can
0: be replaced by Nick Foles, then you're not a good quarterback.
1: There's no way Broncos are going to move on to a new quarterback. That's crazy.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Well then let's hope that this report continues to develop and Jerry Judy can be uh, doing well. Um, so uh, if he continues his usage 12 targets on average over the last couple games, is he worthy of an every week start? Um, would you start him over a Curtis Samuel you know
1: You know like I said before when when you have a trend that's that's going in a good direction uh, when you get a lot of targets per game and uh, when, when the, the quarterback is doing well and all those things are true right now then you have to uh, consider Jerry Judy to be a, an every-week start. And I know as well as you do that you have guys on your team where you're like, they have to play, you know, because they're the studs and they right. have to play. But, but that philosophy is uh, something that we struggled with when we were younger fantasy players. I don't use it anymore, and I think it's wrong and flawed. You have to play the players that are playing well, not the players that have names that you know because they've done well in the past. Uh, it's, what have you done for me lately?
0: Sure. I certainly think that over the years, what we've come to uh, realize is that as you get later in the season, you have to scrap the start your studs sort of mentality.
1: Well, yeah, because if if they're not doing well for three games themselves, they're no longer a stud this year. Right now. You know, uh, and I think...
0: You need to win this week and next week and, you know.
1: Yeah. Especially now, like we talked about, the, the, the very name of the of the podcast today being playoff push that just means that um over the next couple weeks you you don't need to overthink things start the players that are doing well it's very simple yeah so judy doing well yes put him in your lineup if you as lose
0: a, games because you put in all the players who are performing well at the time yeah i think you can live with that
1: you got to ride the waves you know you know uh if judy is uh, if a or because
0: you keep throwing out julio jones who's not going to be putting up enough numbers Yeah, And I don't know if Julio Jones is the right name to put in there. It's just, you know, someone who popped into my head.
1: Well, if if Judy on your team is putting up numbers to be your WR2, make him a WR2 and stop thinking about it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver, Washington football team. Now he, believe it or not, is uh, uh, his ECR this week is WR6, the sixth wide receiver for week 10. Uh, he's a borderline WR1-2. slash He has been since he entered the league and kind of stunned everybody that first year by being scary. Terry going down the field, doesn't matter who your quarterback is. He's just making plays, making yeah. them big. Um, very quickly, and I won't go through all the stats, and again, like Jason said, we'll have these articles up for you to peruse later. You can look at all of the statistics over the previous weeks. But... Uh, Week 5 against the Rams, 4 points. Week 6 at the Giants Stadium, 10.9. Week 7 versus Dallas, 18.5. Week 9 versus the New York Giants, 21. And for all of those games, he had 7 targets, 12 targets, 11 targets, and 8 targets respectively. The last 3 weeks, he has caught 7 passes each week. Uh, and has scored more than ten fantasy points each week, averaging somewhere around uh, sixteen fantasy points per week. So let me ask you, what can we say Love about and Scary Terry? Right, he's great. What can we say about Washington? Uh- uh,
0: let me let me answer that really quick. They are a football team. <laughs> What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think
1: about the Washington football team? What's the first thing you
0: think about? Um, the very first thing, the very first thing I think about is all the bullshit surrounding their name, to Ah, be honest. Well, not because they, because they haven't been impressive enough on the field Mm. to take precedent. Okay. I think about Ron Rivera. I think about, you know, Alex Smith playing finally. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I want to focus on just a fantasy aspect, it's Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. And that's all I think about.
1: I think that's, I think that's valid. Uh, and I love
0: watching McLaurin play. I mean, he gets behind the defense four or five times a game, and it's just a matter of like getting him a good enough quarterback to get him the ball.
1: It is one of those situations where we we look at a guy and say, uh, we didn't necessarily expect you to play this well, but now that you are clearly a WR1 of a high standard, if you were on a team that had uh, someone that was in the, the top quarter of quarterbacks in the league, you would be a top five receiver every single week. As it is, he's a top 10 receiver almost every single week and I'll get to a little bit about that later even though we had guys like Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen uh and now Alex Smith throwing him the ball just a bunch of nobodies as they'll go you know uh you know as they are now anyway Alex Smith definitely uh, was a little better in previous years again we're happy he's playing football but uh yeah, I'm not great.
0: I'm very happy that he's healthy enough to play.
1: But I wish I had a different quarterback, uh, you know, uh, bombing the ball. Like, with Joe Flacco was over there, you know who'd get the ball every single time.
0: <laughs> He'd be drawing so many DPIs. Yeah.
1: So you mentioned Antonio Gibson, and with the possible exception of Gibson, uh, who's had some very nice performances, in weeks four and seven, for example, he scored 20.8 and 18.8 fantasy points, respectively, in those weeks. Terry has been the only consistent fantasy performer on a every-week basis for Washington.
0: Yeah, only two games below the double-digit mark. That's great. There is not a ton of, like, like the none of the positions are very top-heavy this year where you've got, like, Five to ten, just absolutely dominant guys. So, you know, at tight end, you've got one to two. At running back, you've got three or four. At wide receiver, there's four guys and then a gigantic group of players in that second and third tier, and Terry McLaurin is one of them.
1: Yeah, if you uh if you go back to last week and and listen to the podcast or watch the YouTube stream, we we go over uh, the top 10 list of the running backs and wide receivers as they were uh through week 8 as far as their points and compare them to their ADP. That's an interesting uh, thing to watch and if you are watching for the first time for example please do subscribe to the YouTube channel or uh, hit subscribe to uh, Spotify or Stitcher or Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to us we appreciate it um, but going back to Terry uh, he has not been targeted less than seven times a game this whole season and that's exactly what you want in a receiver who's going to play for your team volume I don't care who the quarterback is as long as the offensive coordinator is going to call plays for McLaurin 10 oh, that's amazing 10 15 times a game I, I
0: drafted him in a league this year I'm happy to just look at my lineup and say, oh, McLaurin, that one's taken care of.
1: Yeah, so Terry McLaurin is WR11 on the year in half PPR. That's overall, with 112.5 total fantasy points, averaging 14.1 fantasy points per game. So Jason, do you think he's better to have on your team than the number 12, 13, or 14 receivers? And those guys are in order. Thielen, Robbie Anderson, and Amari Cooper.
0: Um, I- I'm glad you brought this up. I was just going to mention that he was number 11 overall. Um, he is in a very tight group there. Those guys all are within just a couple of points of him. Uh, I would rather have Terry McLaurin, though. Not just because he scored an extra .5 points over Adam Thielen, uh, but because he's on a team that is going to be down a lot, so he's going to be receiving a lot more passes.
1: It's those passes. Yeah,
0: you know. um, And McLaurin may be the most talented of those wide receivers. So I'm a big fan of McLaurin. And he is clustered in there in that maybe third tier of wide receiver. You've got, like, Tyreek and DK and Devontae sort of diva- dominating that first tier. Um, yeah. And then you got a good second tier, but really that third tier – is a ton of guys within 10 points of each other.
1: Yeah, agreed. Let me finish up. So looking forward to the matchups in the future, and we've got the Lions, the Bengals, the Cowboys, and the Steelers. This is for the Washington football team, for those of you just tuning in now. The games against Detroit and Cincinnati might prove challenging uh, based on uh, their, their points uh, that they allow to the position, but the Cowboys and Steelers are giving up a lot of points to wide receivers, and Terry has already proven, like we said earlier several times, it doesn't matter who his quarterback is, only that there is a quarterback that he can throw the ball and he passes to Terry and that, <laughs> on, on that team. That's going to be any quarterback that he gets. It doesn't matter. So uh, as long as McLaurin is healthy, he is a start as a wide receiver, one, in my opinion, going forward. Uh, it's good to see Smith still involving him heavily. Obviously, Alex Smith is a decent quarterback. He's a smart guy. Uh, so it's it's nice to see him involving him because you know that a guy like Alex Smith could maybe uh, make decisions that like he likes a certain guy more than another one. Um, he has a little bit more um, gravitas in the league than a guy like Kyle Allen or Dwayne Haskins does, for example.
0: Right, right. He's definitely more respected. He's gonna, And I you know and i feel i have more faith in alex smith than kyle allen well he's he's not a very good quarterback i don't quarterback know about so far, his but... physical prowess but he's <laughs> just coming back from being out of the league for 2 years let's give him a week or two
1: well it's washington they can have the whole season you're, you got a good point. Uh, so, uh, MathQuest has another uh, uh, yes. uh, question, so I'm going to answer it real quickly and, and, and give your opinion too. But just based on my rankings, the question is, in a deeper league, I'm inclined to sit Marquise Brown. And I, th- I believe I have him on the cut list too. Uh, we talked about him several times throughout the season. Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson don't quite look the same as they have. Teams have figured them out in certain ways. They're not world beaters. So I don't have a problem with sitting him. He hasn't been doing very well. Uh, Would you guys start Tim Patrick or Curtis Samuel over Marquise Brown? The answer uh, from me to you is in half PPR, which is uh, our baseline. uh, I have Marquise Brown at 37. uh, I have Curtis Samuel at 33 and Tim Patrick at 40. And I'm very comfortable starting Curtis Samuel uh, versus Tampa Bay. I think that Samuel is going to be put into those opportunities that we talked about earlier to have success uh, as a guy who is probably the, the... Maybe the third target, fourth target on that offense?
0: Yeah, we sang the praises of Curtis Samuel to start the show. Mm -hmm. I like Curtis Samuel in this question here. uh, In that group of guys, I would definitely start Curtis Samuel over those two. Um, The one thing you know about Samuel is he's going to be getting the ball a a bunch of times. He's going to have a chance to score a touchdown in pretty much every game. It's just up to him to actually make it happen.
1: That's true. He might strike out, but he probably has a more uh, a stronger home run uh, chance than a lot of those guys do. And that's, that's even including Marquise Brown, who literally is like the home run hitter guy. That's what he's known as. He yeah. just hasn't been – they haven't been enjoying success over there. They're just running the ball uh, on the Ravens. So hopefully that answers your question. That's half PPR, but you can check out my rankings to see uh, standard or PPR. In general, I will start Curtis Samuel regardless of the scoring system over those two guys. Yep uh and so i just
0: cracked open another beer here from yeah let me the saugatuck brewing company
1: let me sample some of that um
0: here's the happy that's a great little slogan you got there guys it is the Cottonmouth crusher raspberry sour ale named after the michigan cotton mouth snake have you ever been here. to Sagatuck? um i don't know
1: so Sagatuck is a really awesome it. town in michigan that's uh right on the water cool downtown it's a kind of a party town everybody likes to hang out and drink beers and uh it's fantastic. So I believe
0: I, I've driven past Sagatuck on a number of occasions. Um probably on the way up to Grand Rapids, right? Uh yep. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh Sagatuck is where I went to one of the best disc golf courses I've ever been to. Mm. Yeah. It's right on the lake uh on lake michigan you take like a you you, you play around at a beautiful course you take like a mile hike you go to the dunes on the lake it looks like a fucking ocean it's amazing i've never seen you know lived in chicago my whole life see lake michigan all the time i've never seen lake michigan from that angle with no buildings around, just completely natural. It's a completely different experience. It's you amazing. have to
1: hang out on the west coast of Michigan, on the Lake Michigan uh, border, right there. Yeah, because uh, all those towns—Grand Haven, uh, South Haven, um, all the way, all the way down, all the way down to Michigan City, Indiana—are fantastic. Um, and we don't know really. Uh, how cool those beaches can actually be over here on the Illinois side because it's mostly uh, urban and industrial, and it messes it up.
0: It's a lot of that. Yeah, this is just, oh, it, it was amazing. I, I can't recall the name of the disc golf course, but if you are a disc golfer, um, then you need to uh, just go to the course in Saugatuck sometime in your life. It's totally worth the trip. Anyways, back to fantasy football, if we, if we can. Sure, yes. Uh, I want to bring <laughs> up uh, Mr. Ronald Jones of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's their Rojo. Uh, one of their two running backs. So in week 7 against Las Vegas, he put up 10.10. Week 8 against the Giants, 4.6. And last week against the Saints, only 3.3. Um, so after week 6, Rojo was riding high. He was the first running back of the season to have three straight 100 yard games. He was seeing heavy usage in the passing game, but it all came crashing down in the last three weeks. He has 23 total carries over the last three games. Uh, that is not befitting an RB1 with 92% ownership in leagues. I feel like there is plenty of people who have started him all three weeks.
1: Well, I'm sure the ownership percentage was like 99 or 100%, and it's fallen it to 92. It has fallen to
0: 92. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so he's only combined for 66 rushing yards during those last three games. That's a 2.8 yards per carry average, uh, absolute garbage. You can basically fall forward and almost make that much. Um, so you need to do better than that, uh, Mr. Jones. So, uh, during this time, what we've seen is that Leonard Fournette has 27 carries. That's more than Jones. Not a lot more. It's a split at best going forward. The larger portion of the split, call it a 60-40 maybe, is going to Leonard Fournette. Um, so Jones, when he was playing well, was the only back going on. Now we've got Fournette, um, being slightly more effective, like 5% more effective at best. Um, but I, I, I have to say Jones may not be a lost cause, uh, because it's going to be hard to predict who, um, Bruce Arians wants to play every week. I, I don't really understand what his, um. I don't. I, I feel like some coaches I can read, some coaches I can't. You look at uh, Mike Tomlin, you know who's going to be the running back week to week. You look at Bill Belichick, you have no fucking clue. I feel like Bruce Arians is slightly more on the Bill Belichick side, where I, I don't really know who he's going to want to go with on a weekly basis. Um, so if they're both healthy, it's almost like a coin flip as to who is going to be better that week. But if either of them gets hurt, the other one is going to have a dominant row row roll it's like rivalry week (laughs) every week um so uh the matchups this week and in week 16 are against teams giving up top five fantasy points to running backs uh so i don't think that you get rid of jones i think it's another hold situation you possibly pick your spots carefully start him against good matchups hope that the game flow is in your favor see how it's going um but this week is one of those good matchups so it's going to be tough to uh to hold off starting him uh even though perhaps maybe it is the right call um i i i I dove into this and i could not come up with a a proper recommendation for ronald jones i have to say so do you think that he's a chance to rebound as an every week starter or is this going to be a split situation for the rest of the year
1: so, I like to turn to snap counts when we talk about this. And if we look at the snap count in 2020, we have uh, Ronald Jones, who had the, the biggest portion of those snaps between weeks three and six. That's uh, uh, 51% of those uh, snaps in week three, then 64%, 69%, 57%. And then since then, it's actually trended down 57, 43, and 20 20- uh, sorry, 43, 24, and 32%. So that's 31 snaps in Week 7, 17 in Week 8, 16 in Week 9. Whereas Leonard Fournette, after he started getting back in the rotation in Week 7... Uh, was already out-snapping Jones and continued to do so over the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, Fournette 56, 73, 66 last week. So year.
1: there's now a trend of uh, Fournette substantially out-snapping Jones every week for the last three weeks. So you know me, how I like trends. I would say uh, stomp on, on Rojo as far as starting him continually. If you're going to start anyone on that team you should start net because you should always start the running back that plays more than the other ones.
0: Great call on the snap percentage. That is a wonderful stat to look at. Uh, I always turn to uh, profootballreference.com, pro-football-reference.com, in order to uh, look up stuff like that, really to confirm any of the stats that I want to find. But um, the snap percentage is listed right there, game by game, how many snaps they're in, what percentage of the total offensive snaps those players played.
1: Yeah, I mean, what are some of the, the uh, metrics that, that people don't use or don't use well or enough? And that would probably be uh, targets, uh, points per touch, which is an amalgamate of, uh, of stats, and then the snap count for any player. But uh, Rojo can, can do damage and has... But we know in the past that he's had opportunities as well that have never really resulted in any kind of year-long consistency. Yeah. And we're seeing that again is that, yes, he may have done well uh, over the course of the year, but it looks like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going more and more towards the veteran players on their team. Uh, in this case, that's that's going to mean Leonard Fournette over around Jones. And Ronald they
0: did Jones. trade for Fournette. It's obvious that they're going to want to use him. Yeah. Even now that he's been around, he's healthy again. Um, yeah, it looks like he's going to be the the primary back, but not the main back. I, I the
1: real know. question is, ask Tom Brady because whatever Tom Brady wants, Tom Brady gets.
0: That's a good point. So, can we assume that the Bucks' <laughs> offense is going to be okay, or is Tom Brady finally falling off the cliff?
1: I think that Tom Brady will be fine, uh, and and everybody has these kinds of, uh, of falls. I really actually enjoyed watching the Saints kind of pick apart Tampa Bay. Uh, and you have to also understand that the New Orleans Saints defense has been really good lately, and should continue to be really good. Um, so it's it's not only the fact that uh, the Drew Brees and. Uh, Taysom Hill were able to score points kind of effortlessly against the Tampa Bay defense, but the New Orleans Saints defense was clicking, uh, and I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that they have Jameis Winston, and they know all the plays. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I mean...
0: (laughs) He got to eat the dub at the end of the
1: game. It's not like Arians completely changed the offense since Winston left. I mean, (laughs) I I guarantee you that some of that, like, there there was interceptions, there was stuff that, there was so many interceptions. I mean, you... He had to have told them exactly where things were going to be.
0: <laughs> He's like, "Hey guys, I got the inside track on interceptions from the Bucks."
1: <laughs> he knows more about interceptions uh, uh, in Tampa Bay. Than I threw thirty else. of them
0: last year. <laughs> Wasn't he thirty and thirty last year? It was like, like five
1: thousand yards, six thousand yards, and uh, <laughs> thirty and thirty. Eight thousand interceptions. Uh, so why the, is
0: Jameis Winston not a starter?
1: <laughs> the last guy that we he have. He was fun. Well, he, did, he got his eyes fixed, so maybe next year we'll see. Uh, the last guy on our list is Janu Smith, wide receiver or sorry, uh, tight end, Tennessee. Uh, he could he be a, a wide receiver. I mean, he certainly he certainly could be. Uh, ECR right now is a tight end of 13, which is a borderline between tight end 1 and 2. That's where I've seen him over the past couple weeks. He used to be a tight end 1 no problem based on his usage in that offense. Uh, right now with the targets and things, which I'll talk about in a moment, he has fallen a little bit off of that. Uh, so the question is, will he continue to uh, um, to go on this path of like a lower amount of targets, or, or will it trend another way? And let's get into that. So uh, looking at the past three games, Week 7 versus Pittsburgh, uh, he had four targets, only caught one of those passes, zero touchdowns, bad fantasy performance, 1.4 fantasy points. So bad by anybody's count, by anybody's rules. Week 8 at Cincinnati, two receptions on two targets for 29 yards, zero touchdowns, 3.9 fantasy points. Not good. Uh, Week 9 versus Chicago, still two for two, 32 yards, one touchdown, 10.2 fantasy points. Now we know a couple things about Janu. Janu has uh, had good success in the past. With the Titans, regardless of whether his quarterback was Ryan Tannehill or Mariotta, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, he's kind of broken out over the past two years. And he's still the tight end number five overall this season with 78.4 fantasy points. Earlier this season, he's done really well, uh, so that keeps his average up to 9.8 fantasy points per game. And in, in a world, Jason, where the point difference between the tight end 1, Travis Kelsey, and tight end 10, Dalton Schultz, is 74.1, which is more points <laughs> more points than the number 8 tight end has, Robert Tanyan, uh, you have to keep what success you can find close to the chest at that position. I,
0: I got a number for you. So, um so sh- shameless self-promotion, uh, but it's for us, so it, it's not so self or shameless. Go for it. Every Monday, I write a column called Statistically Insignificant, and I like to delve into fun stats just like the one you just uh, pointed out. So I pointed out in the column that Travis Kelsey, with his 139.9 points on the season, has 50 more points than the tight end two, which is just an absurd difference between number one and number two. It's like Travis Kelsey is tiers one, two, and three, and then there's the rest of the guys.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, uh, and and that's kind of how it was looked at uh, at the draft as well with him and Kittle. Unfortunately, and Kittle, Kittle's yeah. had injuries, and the 49ers suck. But yes, uh, <laughs> but that is very unfortunate. It was definitely uh, sort of predicted beforehand that that would be the case. So those of you smart enough to draft uh, Kelsey, which you have to do in the first two rounds, or you or you don't get him usually. Yeah. Um. Uh, you ended up getting someone who is not only one of the best tight ends, also the best wide receivers, filling a slot where no one else scores any points. Yeah. So uh, or, or or
0: the points that are scored are so utterly random that you couldn't possibly have them on your team one of the things I bring up on an almost weekly basis is that you know six or seven of the top tight ends are never owned in our leagues
1: yeah so it's it's difficult and it has been uh for a long time when we talk about tight ends and there is there there is some method to the madness uh there are players that we have bet on that have done well but uh, you're right, halfway through the season, a lot of times teams sort of switch gears and they change their offense, uh, yeah. and you, you don't know how that's going to affect tight ends because a lot of times they'll be forced to switch to blocking roles. And that's sort of what's happening here with Janu Smith. He's a better blocker than anybody else on that team and the tight end position. And so you have, Absolutely. You have Anthony Ferkser, who has uh, taken Fersker. some... Okay.
0: <laughs> it's just such an awkward name, I like to say it.
1: I think it's Ferkser. But, but yeah, check it out. It's F-I-R... I think it's K-S-E-R. I thought it was S K E. Well, we will find out. <laughs> Either way, we have all the right letters. Just...
0: F-I-R-K-S-E-R.
1: Yeah, it's FERXER. FERXER. Well, we had the right letters. So you just don't know what order they're in, right?
0: You know, Just a little <laughs> dyslexic.
1: Um, but but what I'm saying is that yeah, uh, uh, have FERXER, who uh, is acting more as a move tight end uh, in general. And that's only because Janu has uh, taken up more of the blocking because it's been needed for that particular offensive line, for Derrick Henry, for some of their wide receiver plays. And when I talk about, uh, well, I'll get to this in a second, but I want to ask you, what random tight ends have you started and then just dropped immediately after when they were horrible?
0: Oh, man. Um... (laughs) Just give me a couple. I feel like I've tried out Mr. Fersker. Firks, sir <laughs> I it, All right. You know, rule of thumb, if you can't <laughs> pronounce his name after three tries. Just call him Anthony. Cause just don't name, even bother. His
1: name is not Robert. I don't,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about somebody else. I'm talking about Robert Tanyan or something. <laughs> I don't know.
1: But you had him. you had him for a week and then, like, found out that he would only get two targets for 20 yards and and summarily dumped him
0: here's what has worked for me this year is picking up Gronk (laughs) whenever someone drops him, you pick him up I just pick up Gronk and I'm just like okay I guess I'm starting Gronk again
1: well Gronkowski was a funny uh use case uh for Tom Brady because when he first started back uh into the NFL he wasn't doing anything wasn't getting any targets was uh there's nothing was looking lost out there but now now he's done better uh I think we can Throw out the tape on last week and burn it, assuming that they're able to do fairly well uh, in week 10. But Gronkowski has ended up being a good tight end over the past six, uh, I say four or five weeks. Yeah. Um, so Smith returns, in my opinion, to must start territory uh, after finally having a plus day in week nine. But should it, it should be noted that the Colts are only giving up the second fewest points in the league to the tight end position, and they play the Colts next. So that's scary stuff for someone who's only getting two to three targets per game. And this is the kind of uh, uh, dance that you have to do, uh, the dance macabre, when you were talking about uh, picking a tight end who's uh, between the ranks of 5 you're and 12. you doing the dance
0: macabre, you better have a French tight end. <laughs>
1: do we have any French tight ends?
0: Um, I don't think so. <laughs> We got to get some. Maybe... We got a German tight end. Oh, Dalton Schultz. Schultz. Dallas
1: Goddard. <laughs>
0: there we go.
1: Yeah, but he should actually be pretty good coming back now with Zach Ertz. Who knows where? Uh, and uh, so the Titans have AJ Brown healthy, Corey Davis actually doing things, and the other tight end Anthony Furkser, who we mentioned earlier, sucking up some of those targets, getting about the same kind of uh, production as Janu Smith. So that means two to three targets per game. Now, if Johnu Smith was able to get all those targets. We would probably see him uh, remaining in that top five. Yeah. But I think because this is all happening, and you know, bully for Tennessee to having a bunch of healthy receivers because not everybody does. But because they even do, they don't. Because they do have all these guys right now, um, it, it does drop Johnu to probably like uh, let's say uh, tight end ten to fifteen, which is touchdown dependent tight ends who get two targets per game. Yep. And that's unfortunate, but that's almost all the tight ends, let's be honest. It's just pick one of these guys from this big pool. Johnny Smith is not a bad pick, but he's not a great pick.
0: That's what Jimmy Graham is doing every week. That's what even TJ Hawkinson is doing every week. Hawkinson's actually uh, been Well, he's the targets. number three tight end, which is amazing. But at the same time, like it's just the last three weeks that he's played well and had a bunch of targets. Before that, it's all still kind of low.
1: So the question becomes, what are your options if you think that you shouldn't gamble with Smith on a team with not enough targets to go around for that particular position, which is what this situation is? So would you go with someone else, even though Smith just had a 10-plus fantasy point performance? Uh, would you try to find somebody else? And if you couldn't find anyone that was marked markedly better, would you just continue with Smith?
0: This week, um, I'm going against Smith. They play Indianapolis, who are giving up the fewest points to opposing tight ends.
1: I just talked about the Second fewest. Okay.
0: You know, Close. The, the, the fantasy points against numbers vary everywhere. The one I just looked at said first, I'm sure when I go to the Yahoo page, which is what I normally consult, it'll say something different. That's fine. Uh, point being, India is very stingy when it comes to giving up points to opposing tight ends. I would go somewhere else. Um, as far as, like, free agents right now, you got Mike Kisecki, Logan Thomas, and Darren Fells.
1: See, I don't think that any of them are... are markedly better so i would stay with smith
0: so unless you have been holding on to a second guy (laughs) yeah i guess you got to just roll with smith but that's my point just trust the fact that you know indy hasn't uh seen anyone the likes of johnny smith this year it's one
1: of those things where except
0: for the game when they played already right
1: (laughs) except when they saw him
0: except for the oh no they haven't they played this week and then again in two weeks
1: yes yes they play the colts then the colts the Colts
0: and then the the former Baltimore team, then the Baltimore team, then the former Baltimore team.
1: Well, my whole point really was that uh, he's most likely not going to give you a lot of fantasy points unless he saves his day with a touchdown. That's true of a lot of tight ends. The next few matchups, like Jason mentioned, uh, he has to deal with the Ravens, the Colts, and the Browns. All those are in the top half of the league as far as preventing fantasy points from that position. So I think you hold on to Smith for the fantasy playoffs. I have no problem with uh playing somebody else or even dropping him, but you should know that if you drop John U. Smith, you may never find anyone that good again
0: the, you <laughs> should not drop John U. Smith. I don't mean to imply that
1: because like he's had bad uh, games but like he's still a top tier tight end in 2020 tight ends and and that's it's a dangerous game we're playing here with tight ends uh, on a week to week basis. So, do you have Travis Kelsey on your team? No. Well, then, good luck to you, sir.
0: Yeah. So, we have a, a question about a trade in the chat room. Is this a good trade? Will Fuller, Josh Jacobs, and James Conner. Already, I don't like it because it's too many players involved in a trade. Too many? You can't, can't have that many I players? I don't like a three for three. I don't think that it, it's easy to like match value there. Uh, for Henry, I assume Derek, uh, Juju, Smith-Schuster, and Kareem Hunt.
1: It could be Hunter Henry, too
0: then it's a bad trade for the guy in the in the second half who gets the Hunter Henry side. Well,
1: off. we need more information, Baller HQ, if you could give us, uh, uh, is it a PPR league? Is it a dynasty league? Uh, is it a, a redraft league? Was uh, it a keeper league? What's going on? I
0: think I would much rather be the person who is going to wind up with Fuller, Jacobs, and Connor. On and
1: that. I would agree with that. So uh, in most cases, especially if it's a redraft league, kind of regardless of if it's PPR or not, uh, I... I would love to have uh, Fuller, Jacobs, and Connor because I think they're all going to do well down the stretch.
0: Fuller has a touchdown in six straight games. He's always
1: done that. As long as he's healthy, Fuller destroys all fantasy points. Yeah,
0: and Juju is a very um, it's a redraft league. It is of course okay. Derek so,
1: Henry. so really, the trade I guess is for Derek Henry because Nick Chubb coming back limits Kareem Hunt's value, or maybe uh, allows it to remain. Uh, the I, think same it I think it helps. I think it helps. Juju Smith Schuster is a touchdown-dependent receiver that's not the best on his team, or possibly the second best any longer. Correct uh and so i don't have a lot of value for him and josh jacobs and james Conner. so let's look at it as they're are
0: just gonna get so much work every week
1: let's call the let's call the trade uh let's look at uh josh jacobs and james connor for derrick henry for example uh and and i think the answer there In is the two for one is it's is not enough is that it's not an uh not enough
0: um, you're giving up too much to acquire Derrick Henry.
1: Right. And so, so if we look at that and say there's too much value in Jacobs and Connor for Henry, then we also add in uh, Will Fuller and all we're getting back is Juju and Kareem Hunt, then I think the answer is the person with Fuller, Jacobs, and Connor will win this every single time.
0: I agree. I think that that person should either uh, pull be the trigger with what they get or, or don't make the trade.
1: If, if you're getting that baller, then I would say do it absolutely. But I don't see a whole lot of value, uh, going forward in Juju, uh, and Hunt, uh, just because, uh, if you were giving up, uh, Josh Jacobs and, uh, and James Conner and Will Fuller, then you're, you might be making your team worse.
0: Yeah, obviously Fuller, Jacobs, and Conner are all starting every single week on your team,
1: uh. They should be. I mean, uh, two top 10 running backs. Juju, you're not
0: going to want to start every week.
1: uh, Where is Fuller in the top 10 wide receivers? Is he like a 15 or something at this point?
0: Um, Well, he's certainly in the top 20.
1: Do I have the... Yeah, here they are. Wide receivers, half point PPR. Will Fuller is number 10.
0: There he is. So, yeah,
1: you can't trade those Just guys. above our
0: guy, Scary Terry.
1: When we look at the running backs, we've got James uh, James Conner at 12, Josh Jacobs at 9. So, number 9, number 12 in running back, number 10 in wide receiver. Trading him for Kareem Hunt, who's number 8, Derrick Henry, who's number 3, and Juju Smith-Schuster is like the throw-in because, because Juju is the number 24. So, I think... I guess what you're doing it depends on whether or not you you're have kind of
0: shuffling the deck.
1: Like, do you have another running back on your team that is is like secretly the number eleven running back or something? You can just slot them both in there. I don't know. That's rough. I, I would I would honestly stick with uh, with Fuller, Jacobs, and Connor and not trade those guys. I think Jason agrees. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about our cut list. So let's go over this fairly quickly. Uh, I'm just going to provide a sentence of what I think uh, after we talk about the oh. guy.
0: Here's here's one thing to say in favor of Derrick Henry. He has a bad schedule right now, but his weeks 13, 14, 15, and 16 are all amazing matchups. Yeah,
1: but is is this guy whoever's selling Henry selling him uh like low? He's he's selling Henry low. Like that's insanity. He
0: has Joe Mixon who is not currently playing. Geo so
1: Geo might start this week unless there's yeah, more you news. You can't
0: rely on Mr. Mixon.
1: Um so if you, it sounds like you are are the guy who has um, Fuller, Jacobs, and Connor.
0: Usually, when people bring up trades, their side of the trade is mentioned first. Look, it's tempting to trade for Derrick Henry. I don't think that you're getting enough for what you're giving up.
1: And I think Nick Chubb's gonna gonna go out there and be a stud. I don't think it's gonna make. Try to Kareem, give
0: up someone. Try to give up Joe Mixon instead of James Connor. No one's
1: gonna trade for Joe Mixon, who's injured right now and not practicing.
0: Then I don't think that you should make this trade.
1: You can't. You can't trade Mixon for Connor. Okay. Yeah. I. I. Sorry. We. We think that your. Uh, your trade is uh, dead in the water, man. I mean, you could make it, but I think the other guy will. Will probably become the victor of the trade. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Connor had a bad game. He's going to bounce back in a big way. Uh, Josh Jacobs should be good on that excellent offense. Somehow they put together in Las Vegas and uh, Will Fuller is going to continue to have a touchdown every single game. Yep. Do you want uh, any whiskey, or shall I, uh...
0: I? I'm good on the whiskey. I'm going to have just a- another sip of beer here.
1: All right. Cheers to you guys. Uh, thanks for the question, Baller. We have uh, just about 10 minutes or so left in the show, so we're going to talk Why about finish that off? the cut list. And so for the cut list, is these are guys that on a 10- or 12-team league uh, in my opinion, you should not own. You might own, you might have owned, but you should not own after today because there is no point in you having them on your team. They're only making your team worse and not better. And what do we want? We want teams we that want are be better.
0: better. That's a pretty simple equation.
1: So let's talk about quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater is the guy on my list here uh, facing a Bucks defense this week that's awfully good against quarterbacks, not named Drew Brees or Taysom Hill. Yeah. He should get back to his old tricks. Without CMC, old tricks like averaging just 14.5 fantasy points per game, like he has done uh, from weeks uh, 6, 7, and 8. So we talked about Bridgewater doing really well down the stretch. It just doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It would be great if he had Christian McCaffrey because then he could just toss the ball two yards and get a touchdown every couple plays. But, unfortunately, we don't know what's going to go on with Christian McCaffrey. I At least, maybe there's been an update since uh, earlier this afternoon. But
0: The the only update I see on Rota World is that he's not expected to play, according to Adam Schefter.
1: Yeah. Now, I would love if he comes back in a couple of weeks, and that's great. Maybe it'll, it'll change my opinion on Bridgewater. But, unless you're in a super flex league, there's no point in owning, owning Teddy Bridgewater uh, for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, running backs, Jermichael Hasty. We talked about him a while back. I know you gave me a bunch of flack about this guy. You thought he was going to be the uh, you know the next guy to go grab.
0: It's uh, just because that team is so great at running the ball, but there's 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 too much missing on that team now. I withdraw my Jamichael Hasty. Well, I did a whole thing
1: about it. I mean, this is a UDFA guy that's a scat back that didn't really have uh, 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 strong reviews except from the team uh, in you know, before the season started. And and who believes what the team before the season starts says? Right. Nobody. No right. bo- Actually, I should say, everybody believes it. Nobody should. <laughs> <laughs> McKinnon and his tired legs, in quotes, are a better bet for fantasy points than this overrated and reached four player. With mustard probably coming back
0: uh, this week or next week. There next is- week. I think he's already been ruled out for this week.
1: There is no point whatsoever in owning Hasty. Get rid of him. Dump him. We get some sound effects up here, like, uh, Le'Veon Bell might be a surprise, but if you look at his stats, it's not. Unless you're in a deep league, the Chiefs are not utilizing the running backs how any fantasy team manager would prefer. Bell has netted 10 points total in half PPR in the three matchups he's had as a Chief. So thinking that he is going to do really well sometime soon, how long can we think that? Well, I'm not going to think about it anymore. So uh, I'm going to keep the guy for possible, you know, uh, uh, next year or two in leagues that are uh, that are dynasty. I am not going to keep him on any of my redraft leagues. What is the point of having a guy who's for the last three games scored four points? No point. Uh, wide receivers, no Marquise Brown. We talked about him a little earlier. I compare him to a late career Mike Wallace. You didn't keep him on the roster either.
0: Uh, the the Mike Wallace of the Dolphins? Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> so here's a Marquise Brown who so occasionally gets a long touchdown that you would never have started him. And then once you start him because of his long touchdown, he won't do well for three games. The
0: Baltimore offense is just, they're not good this year. We talked about it. That we, we caught on to that early
1: in the, in the season this we year. We did. And, uh, you know, I think it personally has to do a lot about uh, what's on tape, you know, seeing these guys. How does he move when talking about Lamar Jackson? Uh, Michael Vick uh, was, was an unstoppable force until people figured out what their tricks were over there. Yeah. Um, well, that and he got injured every year. So that's a thing. Uh, anyway, Marquise Brown is a dump. Uh, Henry Ruggs, we talked about him earlier. Uh, why don't you talk about, about Ruggs and why we should cut him?
0: Uh, well, Ruggs hasn't done anything in the last three weeks. I think he has probably seven total fantasy points. So, you know, if that isn't enough to cut him, then you want to look at the fact that at the wide receiver position on the Raiders, they are not throwing the ball to anybody other than maybe Nelson Aguilar, uh, maybe Hunter Renfro. Uh, You know, Henry Ruggs is like the fifth option right now on that passing offense. You can't, he's not rosterable. It's a shame. I wanted him to be the guy this year. He was, what, the fastest uh, wide receiver in the draft?
1: Yeah, but again, they're rookies. Yep. Like we, we can't expect them. Not happening them. this year. We can't expect them to do well, and yet everyone does every Let's year. Let's see
0: a full, like, <laughs> normal uh, preseason training camp, all of that, with the team. Maybe Henry Ruggs can make something of himself. This is not the year.
1: Well, you know, most rookies take two or three years anyway to break out. So I Correct. think I think Ruggs has shown he had one game in Week Five with eighteen point eight fantasy points that he can get those touchdowns, grab them, and run. Uh, but but there we're, was
0: only two receptions in that game. Still,
1: yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's those long big. Players. He averaged
0: fifty nine yards per reception in that game. Yeah, that's not going to happen.
1: Do uh, you want to close us ever. out
0: here? Uh, so I believe your next guy is Lavisca Chenault. If I you remember, yes. Um, so Chenault uh, was was a little banged up. I think he came back last week, but with the new guy Jake Luton uh, there, it seems like uh, he is going to be focusing on DJ Chark because Chark is clearly the better receiver on that team.
1: Yeah, Chark and Robinson, and uh, it doesn't seem like at least for right now, there's a lot of room for other
0: other people. That's the one of the biggest problems you have on these weak offenses: is that there just isn't room for enough players. Uh, And if Chenault has, like, one more good game on the rest of the year, do you want to waste a a roster spot where you're not going to start him anyways? You know, just to, like, see the one good game? Nope. At tight end, we're going to drop Zach Ertz. Um, Shouldn't he have been out of there already?
1: Well, a lot of people are holding on to Ertz because he's one of the top tight ends and the tight (sighs) end's a wasteland. That's Uh, true. uh, But he's not going to play this year, is he? Oh, absolutely. He'll come back, Yes. Okay. He's not out of the picture. He just had a high ankle sprain. Oh, did you that, did I mean, you? that
0: takes so long to recover from. Well, I, I, mean, I had written him off for the year at
1: this point. No, it was four to six weeks, and it was a couple weeks ago. Okay. But it's not like he like broke his collarbone or something. Okay. Uh, but that said, uh, I, I, I don't think that he's very valid because by the time he comes back and you let him have time to get back into the offense, the season's over.
0: Right. And <laughs> you don't want to start a guy in week 13 who's just returning uh on the off chance that he's gonna like you know sneak into the end zone yeah that's not how you get into the playoffs yeah. and t- this week is all about making the playoffs
1: now last last week you had mike Gasicki on the tight end uh two weeks ago on the tight end cut list uh and and jason and i have uh traded off on this sometimes and and i tried to uh to fight it i wanted Gasicki to do well he's a really good athlete he was really great in college Uh, but it's not translating into real-world production. Uh, And he he does get a couple passes a game, much like uh, a lot of the tight ends we talked about today. Sure. Uh, So he might get that 20, 30, even 40 yards. But if you're not getting touchdowns, if you're not getting involved in the red zone, and if if Tua, who's the quarterback for the Dolphins now, is not focusing on you as a primary component of the offense, then you're just one more guy in that deep pool of tight end candidates uh, that probably is somewhere between, like, the – 14 and 18 tight ends. Yeah,
0: I mean, his stats over the last three games look like Henry Ruggs.
1: So not enough opportunities. Again, move on. It's the same like uh, with Teddy Bridgewater. It's the same with uh, a lot of these guys. But what what some people really fail to do, and this is why we do the cut list, is they fail to let go of those guys. They keep them on their team, and then because they're keeping them on their team, they're not grabbing those players that have a real opportunity to do well, those players that could spark something uh, to get you into the playoffs. Do you really want to end up with uh, two or three players on your team, on your bench, that you never start uh, week after week, hope that they do better, and uh, just watch well, your team anything. fade into the seventh place team?
0: Every week you need to ask your bench, what have you done for me lately?
1: That's, that's right. <laughs> what have you done to make this world a better place? Yes uh well that's that's it from my end jason so uh if if we wrap up want to tell them a little bit about drink5.com and how they can subscribe please go to
0: drink5.com you can check out the rookie report every week by our rookie expert sean foss you can check out the uh, confidence picks from tad you can subscribe to our youtube page follow us on instagram follow us on twitter we're easy to find we're at drink5 pretty much everywhere And um, make sure you subscribe to us, like I said, on YouTube. We are live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Central. So if you're listening to us uh, later on, you can join us live. Check out the video. Ask us questions in the chat room. And uh, be a participant in the show. And we appreciate all the participants. Thank you, Dave. Yes, cheers. Cheers, buddy. Drink five.
1: Will do.